Outside of Clooney's in the Mission neighborhood of San Francisco, I'm Schmitty, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today on the show, we have triple OG Mike Archimedes. Born and raised in San Francisco, Arco has seen it all and was one of the first, if not the first, to skate China banks. He was also featured in one of my favorite all-time videos, Sick Boys. Most people know his relationship with Felper throughout all the years, but have you ever heard the story of how they met? And so it must have been like 3.30 in the morning, I was skating down Broadway, or skating down Van Ness to Broadway, and some guy, this weird-looking dude on a cruiser bike, was just on the corner, and we just kind of met up like, hey, what's up? You skate? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I skate, man. My name's Jake, dude. I'll see you. Fucking. And I, I must have been like 15, maybe, maybe a little younger. And then sure as shit, saw that fucker skating like, yeah, that's that fucking guy, man. Next thing I know, we're fucking skating for the same team. And Also, we have our first international order, folks. Big ups to my paisano, Felipe Ribeiro, out in Portugal. Hopefully you should be receiving that nasty neck long sleeve this week. On top of that, I'd like to give another big shout out to Atlas Skateboard Shop shout out. in San Mateo, California, who continue to support the show by carrying our gear. Thanks so much, dudes. Well, make sure you set the scale back Wednesday and have a safe holiday feast out there, because without further ado... Game on. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cars try right here. Oh, big dog's in. What do you think, Schmitty? 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. You on? Schmitty? Talking Schmidt. He's so fucking dirty. He shit my pants, lad. You roll the decks, it's fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmidt. Alright everybody, we're back and you are in for a fucking treat today. We're sitting behind Petrero Park with the one and only Mike Archimedes. What's up, Arco? Hello. How are ya? I'm very well, thank you for asking. <laughs> it's great to be here. What's up? Well, we like to talk about the origin story to get it started. You were born and raised in SF, yeah? Yes, I was. Which, uh hospital were you born mount zion hospital 1968 all right and you grew up over by china banks is that right or i grew up in the tl and then eventually moved up to i guess lower knob hill and kind of union square area which again is still like lower knob hill which is pretty close to chinatown banks and downtown financial district area of uh capitalism at its finest <laughs> you've seen a lot of fucking changes in this city oh yeah when and how did skateboarding enter your world i would have to say when my mom bought my older brother a gt board from emporium a gt board with clay wheels you know 18 dollars 95 cents <laughs> and uh i somehow started kneeboarding on it and then Finally, this one day I stood up on it, and then that was like victory. And, and then it was another couple more years until I finally realized, like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is for me. This is my path. 
And what age were you about then? Uh, I was like eight. Eight? Eight years old for sure. Damn. When I realized. But the first time I ever stood up on a skateboard, I must have been like five or like six. Okay. Do you remember what your first like legitimate skateboard was? Uh, a buddy of mine stole a bonsai, you know, the nice aluminum boards that are super pointy and sharp. If you get shot in the ankle, you'll be really stoked. But yeah, my eighth birthday, this guy stole a bonsai out of the back of someone's truck and said, here you go, happy birthday. And my parents were not stoked about <laughs> it when I brought it home. Uh, and then what was like the progression of that? Did you like start I mean, there wasn't too many other people skating at that time, was there? 10, 15, a handful, or what? I had a guy in my neighborhood down there on Stockton, Bush and Stockton, who skated. But it was mainly, mainly my crew in elementary school because we would uh, go to the library, and they would have Skateboarder Magazine on one of those big poles and plastic covers, so we'd see that. And then that really help things out like whoa what's this wait there's more to what we're doing there's a whole nother world out there and so that was like it was game on now because there's a whole nother world out there we can do this let's go explore but uh, i never went to any of those skate parks back in the day no. that, that was like a whole nother planet you know my parents didn't have a car so right that shit didn't happen until way later on in life <laughs> what were some of the early memories you remember like emb that wave were you finding these places eventually oh yeah as you get a little older you venture out and you get more trust from your parents to actually leave the house you know because they're still thinking you're going to get kidnapped but <laughs> but yeah i made it down to emb it must have been 1977 was the first time i carved the tube damn and it was on a Santa Cruz five ply. I mean, I must have got up, uh, not quite seven o'clock in that little pipe, but I was trying to get up there. <laughs> How cool! Yeah. And then, uh, true or false, you are the uh, Christopher Columbus of China banks. Oh yeah, <laughs> being Native American, yeah, I don't know if I'm into that, but uh, I get where you're coming from uh i think so because uh yeah i i grew up down there it was like 1976 when i first moved down there so i must have been going down there adventuring it was like 1978 79 when i was like oh wow this looks like that stuff in skateboarder magazine and of course i was out there with my santa cruz five ply now with my tracker x tracks and i got those the red kryptonics man that's but really helped. Softies. And again, trying to get up there. And again, maybe pff, not even a foot up kick turn, but still like this is transition. This is something. Uh-huh. So, but then years later, things started to work out. When you were a little bit above the beginner stage and you were kind of going out to different spots and stuff, did you notice security and stuff back then or was it free reign? Security seemed like it was pretty minimal, you know, as uh, as it is now is pretty much the same thing back then. Just some fat dude who <laughs> could barely chase you down, let alone, you know, you're on a skateboard like, ah, I mean, just some other obstacle someone laugh at. But yeah, it was nothing. 
What were some of the early like tricks that you would get into? Like when when did the slappy come into your world? Oh, I just remember just because I used to ride super tight trucks and had copers, so you could just do these micro edges on command anyway with with super tight trucks. Oh, like pressure up on two yeah, wheels. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> pressure up. So yeah. you could just kind of do that. Didn't think it was called a slappy, but I think it was uh, one of the, the second SF Street contest seeing Lance Mountain and Caballero. They are actually getting some slappies on this really pinner ass curb, but I was like, "Wow, yes, that's what I'm talking about." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was already trying to emanate that, but those guys are doing it. I'm like, "Yep, that's what I'm doing." Okay. So that was more '80s, probably. That was like uh, 1983, 82, 83. Uh-huh. I mean, I was already hip to it because I was still using copers. But once I saw these guys, I'm like, "Ah, oh, no more copers. Oh, time to loosen up the trucks." It was game on. Who are some of your early friends that you still have today? Like, did you meet Mickey first, Julian, or like who was the early crew? I met Mickey. It was probably uh, late 1981. He had a nice hairdo back then. <laughs> Little boogie border surfer hairdo. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I met Julian like not too long afterwards. He was just like this little Barney. I mean, we were all Barneys, but extra barney was that at school or you saw them like yeah how did you meet yeah those uh mickey and his crew from noe valley i met probably at the skate shop rainbow skates that was on stanion and that's pretty much was the epicenter of a whole new beginning of skating in the 80s because this was like the summer of 81 just got a seventh grade going to eighth grade and that was really another beginning of skateboarding for me and a lot of other people that was when the mag started uh yeah yeah because that's when the floppy issues i think they were just six issues in right. the floppies the yeah and that's where you start meeting people like i remember meeting bryce you know i think he was like a senior in high school and these guys just seem like already old dudes <laughs> old man like hey mister go buy us some wine coolers <laughs> did you know skate mags before thrasher or was thrasher your oh first? yeah yeah i mean skateboarder magazine was already like uh the yeah it was the bible the pre-bible because i mean of course thrasher became the bible but that was it man like mm. i say when my father was a cab driver and we'd go to the, this one they just have these magazine stands and He'd buy me skateboarder magazines randomly, but then once they had him at the library, like when the librarian was looking, like swoop. Sick. So probably got hold. I must have been like late 1977 when I first saw a skateboarder magazine. But once skating progressed, and you see where skating was going, like and especially the issues from like 1979. Oh man, that was that was it. And then looking at those ads like val surf canoa surf you just wanted all those boards man just incredible all the graphics the wheels the tracks the copers all the accessories i need that but you can't have it because you're poor uh who are some of the guys that you were looking up to did you have any photos on your wall or anything oh i always loved mickey alba man he he was my dude okay because he was a young buck who just ripped but then, of course, Dwayne, Olsen. 
Dudes with style, it sounds like. Dudes with style, yes, yeah. of course. And then, do you remember what your first photo in the mag was? Uh, yeah, it was something that I really was not stoked on. <laughs> but, I mean, I was stoked I had a photo, but wasn't stoked on the trick. I remember uh, it was Bryce and Fish and myself went to go shoot it. It was Thanksgiving Day of 1984, and it turned out to be a, a hazard off of some driveway up on... I don't know, 17th, up by Herbert Hoover Middle School. I was so stoked, like, hey, we're going to do a photo shoot for the mag. Let's go, kid. Like, yeah, fuck it. And, yeah. and it was an actual, like, just a photo feature? Yeah. I mean, went out. It was all just me, 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 me. It was like a just a full-page shot of me from that session. I forget what kind of article it was. But it came out in whatever early '85. I told Rob Welsh I was coming to uh, speak with you, and he said to make sure that I thank you for making it okay to skate in sweatpants. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there was definitely some early coverage of you in the sweats. Oh man, sweatpants and gloves, man. Yeah. That's that's the look. What was the gloves? It was like claws or something, right? I used to always wear rector riot gear gloves for some reason i don't know because i just got them for free i was a hand model so i had to protect my hands <laughs> mainly and then yeah i did eventually get sponsored by claws gloves what was the first sponsor was that it uh my first sponsor was fogtown skate shop Ooh, okay sick did fogtown become concrete jungle or they're not affiliated at all or yes it did fogtown was actually an offshoot of the skate shop I was speaking of, Rainbow Skates. Rainbow Skates was an, a shop that rented roller skates, sold roller skates, and happened to sell skateboards. So this guy, Fat Carlos, was working there and somehow got involved with the local skaters. And, uh, you know, the punk scene was starting to thrive. I don't know what happened with that shop, but they eventually folded. But he had this dream of opening up a shop of his own, which he did a couple years later, which became Fogtown. And then he started having his own boards made by, like, Madrid and getting screened up with the Van Gogh graphics. And then he's all, hey, kid, have a board because he knew me. You know, I've been lingering and, <laughs> and annoying people at the, these shops for a few years now. So that was my first sponsor. Did you work at the shop? I worked at the shop one day <laughs> it was me and mark edwards because it was a day of the capitola classic uh -huh. 1984 i think it was 84. and he's like i can't pay you what do you want them all see these stacks of uh these thrasher floppies like january to september the whole nine collection I'm all i want these so you got it no problem nice. so i still have those floppy issues yeah. to this day was rainbow upper hate Rainbow was on Stanion between uh, Waller and uh, Beulah, I think it is. And then was Fogtown on Waller? Fogtown was on, uh, what was it? is it Schrader? Waller? Concrete Jungle was on Waller. Was yeah, because eventually that same shop storefront morphed into Concrete Jungle, which had to move around the corner to Waller Street. Right, okay. Tony Trujillo. He just uh, texted in with a question. He says, Hey, Arco, tell me about your first date. How old were you? What year? What school? Where'd you go? Any good details? 
first date wow i'm still actually trying to look for one there's no oh yeah getting all mushy like hey baby uh that one i could not recollect not recollect sorry tony were you doing the mabuhay gardens and broadway and that stuff in the 80s uh i went down there a lot of shows i didn't actually go into because i was such a young barney and didn't want to get my head kicked in but I was out front. What was the scene like? It was was there skinheads or it was mostly punk or it what? was punks. Yeah. All punk rock shit, man. Okay. I mean it was great, but again, like ah <laughs> fucking people were <laughs> nuts. Yeah. What was your what was your first show? Did you go to the Cow Pals for a big rock show or uh my first big show was uh, Day on the Green, must have been oh. June of nineteen eighty where Scorps? Uh no. It was uh Shaken Street. It's like Black Sabbath on their Heaven and Hell tour. Journey, they're headlining. Cheap Trick, and I forget who else. Uh, Molly Hatchet, that's right. And that was Oakland Coliseum? Oakland Coliseum. Must have been June of 1980. So I was like 11 years old. Oh, man. Did you catch the bug? Did you just want to go to shows after that? Yeah, man. What have been some of the more epic shows? Have you, You've done the Cow Palace a bunch, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Last time I tried to go there to see Slayer, we had some bogus tickets and we couldn't get in. So just decided to drink whiskey and do cocaine in the stretch limo <laughs> or whatever stretch Hummer it was. Uh huh. What about the farm? Did you do the farm? Uh, I seen some shows there, but I don't really remember who the hell I even saw. Because I was, again, like, I don't know, some shit I was kind of oblivious to. We just, like, just cruised all around. Right. Do you remember, like, how you met Jake, like, when you actually met him? I was living in kind of down in the marina with my grandmother at the time. I got in some trouble, so I had to move out of my house. And, and so it must have been, like, 3.30 in the morning. I was skating down Broadway, or skating down Van Ness to Broadway, and some guy, this weird-looking dude on a cruiser bike, was just on the corner, and we just kind of met up, like, hey, what's up? You skate? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I skate, man. My name's Jake, dude. I'll see you fucking, and I, I must have been like 15, maybe, maybe a little younger, and then sure as shit, saw that fucker skating, like, yeah, that's that fucking guy, man, and then somehow our paths just kept crossing, and next thing I know, we're fucking skating for the same team, and. What was that, Concrete Jungle? Yeah, Fogtown into Fogtown. Concrete Jungle, and. Right. I mean, first time I ever fucking did acid with that guy. First time I ever did acid was with that guy. And wow. A lot of firsts with that guy. Yeah, I imagine. So he was pretty much the same dude we knew recently when you met him, kind of just a little lippy. and. Yeah, I mean, he must have been like 20 years old when wow. I met him again. So I was probably 14 because I think we got a seven-year difference, six or seven years. But, yeah, he was the same fucking dude. You guys are born, like, right around the same time, just different years, right? Uh, Yeah, he his birthday, well, September 24th of 63, and I'm October 9th, 68. But he's closer to Mickey, because Mickey's, like, September 29th. Oh, right. 66. And uh, CBS, I remember. Corned beef soup. <laughs> How did all that go? That was uh, something that these... Uh, surfer boogie board dudes 
uh, out the uh, Richmond. They came up with that shit. That was their deal, and and us skaters just kind of barged on it, took over. Like, yeah, that's City Boys Shred. Sure, that's us. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of around the time that uh, paint pens maybe came in. I think CVS was getting written on grip tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then a lot of people thought, like, oh, since I'm from the city, I'm CBS. Like, no, you're not. Right. You're not shredding. What time frame did you and meet Tommy Guerrero? I met Tommy, again, it's probably around uh, that summer of 81. There's this quarter pipe at a school right where he lived on 7th Avenue. And this fucking guy was just snapping ollies on this fucking quarter pipe. And he's just a little fucking mouthy punker kid. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck is this guy, man? <laughs> and then his other buddy was spray-painted silver hair. And it turned out to be Mark Babis. And, again, I was just blown away just, like, meeting new people, like, of, who are just young and in, insane. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. Tommy did a lot for San Francisco through skateboarding and everything, putting He's, it on yeah, the map. Yeah, he certainly did. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yes. Fuck yeah. I'm so psyched to fucking be able to skate with him and hang out with him back in the day and just be part of the fucking one of the pioneers, you know, to to create what San Francisco is to today. Yeah. Uh, filming an animal chin coming through. Were you in on any of those sessions? Uh, yeah, I actually got a little... Uh, they filmed me a little bit at EMB, but none of that material got used. What about Sick Boys, old McIntyre? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of our favorite videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was part of that one. Yeah, that was... Were you doing the audio over the Super 8? I did some audio. I On the first version, because there's two soundtracks, and then I think the second one is all Bryce. But yeah, I, I was yammering some of my corn beefery at the time growing up in the peninsula looking up at that it was you guys were just doing the shit and it was like <laughs> god damn it i remember i was telling bryce that we were so fucking scared to go to the hook because it was like those that know know not to tell anyone or whatever yeah <laughs> i actually took heed to that because that was my first and only time there yeah ever never been back oh really yeah fuck Speaking of Bryce, he said, what was Club Man-Hing and what usually <laughs> happened there? Club Man-Hing was a two-story apartment building where Tommy lived amongst the there's a, other cast of creeps that lived there, like Luke Ogden, Danny Sargent, Jay Mack. Uh -huh. But uh, it was a place where we would gather okay. and fucking party. And Club Man Hing, I, I believe I coined that term because it's on top of this Chinese restaurant, or more of a market, but, you know, the ones that have, like, those ducks hanging in the window. But the place was called Man Hing. <laughs> so, That's up off, like, so, 9th or something? Yeah, it was on 9th Avenue between Judah and Irving. And inside, the whole place was covered in this red shag carpet, man. <laughs> I mean, huge living room. We had a... The coffee tables in there. You could skate in there. Just board slides on the table. I mean, there's numerous ragers. That's the one Orb lived in? Yeah, Orb lived there yeah. especially. Sorry, I forgot you, Orb. But I just remember Danny had his own personal studio. He lived in the kitchen. <laughs> so you'd be partying, he'd be sleeping on the kitchen floor. Yeah, that was uh, one of the early elegant party houses 
But Club Manhang, I mean, man, that place was great. What were some of the early trips that you would take skateboarding-wise? Uh, my early trips, I would go down to L.A. And I was finally... Skate with Nottis, yeah? Yeah, skate with Nottis. Skate with a lot of dog town dudes, like, you know, Aaron Murray. Scott Oster. Scott Oster. Skate with Christian a bunch. And when I finally got to go up to, say, like, Oregon and Seattle, Vancouver, that was great. But I never made it any uh, further east. Huh. It took me a long time to actually see the country that I grew up in. I'd been to more places around the world Damn. than the actual United States. What about Hellride? What when did that when do you think that started? What's the origin story of actual Hellride? Well, it's just uh, you know, Jake had a pretty sick vert ramp and That was the Widowmaker? Yeah. Out in Oakland and just uh just all about just gnarlitude fucking then it became a little bit more more accessible to other people. I mean, it extended to when Bryce had his ramp. Studio 43. Studio 43. And well, was it true that it was like you're not skating unless you roll in? It's like roll in or get the fuck out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Especially if you went there to his ramps, like you better roll in or you're fucking out. And you'll uh -huh. never be able to return ever again. <laughs> and that was the rule. Right. And so then did that turn into like the trips was just like the crew started accumulating and it's like we're gonna go to europe or was the first hell ride trip to europe uh i think so yeah yeah we finally took the hell ride on the road it was that summer of 1993 i believe like where it was wheatberry skip pronier joey to cardiel jake myself Coco and no, we saw Coco out there. Oh, but uh, he wasn't on this particular trip. Okay, how did Wheatberry get in the mix? Wheatberry, it was the first time I'd ever been to Europe in 1990, and then I ended up in uh, Germany, and then all of a sudden there's Jake, and I'm like, "Whoa, what's up, dude? Like, <laughs> hey, what's up?" So we just kind of gravitated toward each other. Because he doesn't want to hang out with whoever he's with. I don't want to hang out with whoever I'm with. So we're just fucking just doing it. Like, all right, cool. Then all of a sudden, like, hey, isn't that that fucking Franken-freak kid from Hate Street? <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking weird fucking freak. So he was, like, I think, like, 15 years old at the time. Like, hey, you fucking Franken-fuck, why don't you get us some fucking beers, man? <laughs> And he was so hyped to be our beer slave because he's 15 years old and the bottle shops will let him buy up. So he'd go outside, steal a bike, load up the basket full of beers, come back, and no problem. Damn. So, but the guy was actually like skating pretty decently. And then a couple years went by, he was like actually skating pretty fucking good. Since now he's actually part of the crew. Huh. And he went to, was that Europe trip the one Jake told me about this one where <laughs> we very snuck up on the vert ramp and he's like with Hasoy and Hawk and it's like a full pro thing and he like grabs some helmet, goes up there and drops it or something. Yeah, that was, that was the one of 1990 because we went out there 
90, 91, where I saw Jake. Yeah, that was the one where they were trying to get him off the ramp, and then Jake was like, no, let him skate. He has cancer. He's from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And then that just shut everyone up like, oh, uh, well, yes, yes, proceed, yes. I mean, Wheat himself will tell the story a lot better than I, uh-huh. but that's pretty much the gist of it. I mean, it was fucking great. Wow. Like, then he just... Drops in, yeah, again, like Gator, Soy, the big <laughs> guns at the time. Drops in, hucks a crail slide, hangs it up to dry on the death box. Crowd's going wild. Fuck yeah. Did you guys coin him Wheatberry? Where did no, he? No, no. He already that, had his name? Yeah, that was something that his father named, named him that. I, uh, okay. I, I don't know where or how it derived from. Right. Jake had a story about it, but I don't know. And now for another First Impressions with Timothy Donald McKenney. I'm 93, you're 16, and I think I'm going blind. First Impressions with Tim McKenney, and it's Arco. And again, there's two. First is the one we've all seen. That's Arco at his, on his bike. Almost think it was turquoise or uh, what do you guys call it? Uh, well, Tiffany, whatever you guys call it now. Thanks to Diamond, Nikki Diamonds or whatever. Back to my point. Uh, first impressions is taking a ride, taking a plane up to Burnside to meet the pre-Hellride crew. Arco, Jake, Karma was with them, Andy Roy. Coco, I mean, you name it, they were up there with them. I remember Danny Manic blunt a fakie like a savage. There was, they were up there. I'm at a bar. I finally hooked, oh, Gabe's up there. Morford's up there too. We're at a bar. I'm arm wrestling some serial killers. I get grounded by Mickey and Jake. They put me in a corner and say, get the fuck over here. You're going to get your head cut off. I'm feeling like an ass clown. I don't even know if I'm 21 yet. Anyways, I go outside. First impressions of Arco is Jake and Mickey saving my neck and Arco singing kiss to some hippie chick out front with the happy trail going all the way to her throat. As Arco's singing kiss, I'm 93, you're 16. Instant fan of kiss after I heard him singing it to this chick. Shout out guys, all love. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are some of your favorite spots throughout all the years that you've gone to and skated? I love the dish. Hunter's Point. The old dish. Yeah. The dish. Miley was great. EMB was great. And then there's some of the old time skate parks. I was fortunate enough to skate like Colton Skate Park. Where's that, that one? That was Rancho Cordova uh, out in the, some... Sh- shitville like valley yeah um old old park uh-huh were you at that day of hell um 
at the dish? Yeah, I was there. I skated. Yeah. Uh, there was two of them. scary as shit? There was two of them. The first one was kind of scary. That was a co- uh, contest that Mike Johnson had put on. And then the next year, Mike Johnson, I believe, put it on as well. But uh, I don't know. It wasn't scary for us because I knew, like, me and my buddies, we had baseball bats in the back of our car. <laughs> so we were going to fucking beat roof on anyone who was going to try to fucking get on us. Yeah, no one was going to steal my City Street wheels that I won that day. <laughs> What's uh, some of the craziest shit you've been a part of, like, with hijinks or, like, you're at a bar and you're like, I can't fucking believe that shit just happened in front of my eyes. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, I was so fucking drunk, I probably can't even remember. Yeah, you've seen some crazy shit, I'm sure. Yeah, I certainly have, and I w- really wish I could remember something <laughs> offhand, but I'm usually pretty fucking loaded. Did so. you did you skate the garage with uh, Wheatberry and Noah and those guys? Oh, oh, in the house, yeah. the, the Hellride Hideout. Exactly. Yeah, on Anderson Street. Oh, yeah, man, we used to tweak out there. Right. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, straight tweaking, making robots out of VCRs and BMX bikes, all kinds of crazy shit. Rad. <laughs> Good place to get staff infection. Sean Martin, all those guys. Yeah, yeah, I believe he was in attendance. Who would you be more surprised to see skating today at Petro? Sean Fleming or Phil Shen? Huh. I'd be surprised on both of them, but... uh. Uh, I'd say uh, Phil Chen. Phil Chen. Yeah. Those guys ripped, though. Yeah, yeah. Casting ponds. Casting ponds. Don't Uh, hang up on the little ring there. Eyelets. Give us your top three live shows. Top three live shows that I've seen. Oh. Have you ever seen Thin Lizzy? Uh, Not with Phil and not. Just some later incarnations with some former original members right but uh i mean his motorhead was always great mm. especially in a small place don't ever s- well motorhead doesn't play anymore i believe they disbanded yeah i think they're over yeah motorhead the hayes theater on 16th street where uh, there was a thrasher party skate of the year in 1993 that was pretty fucking sick that's the one where it was Solomon Agaz? Where yeah, they had the mini yeah, ramp? Yeah, yeah, that Fuck, one. Motorhead played there. Yeah, that's they so played small. there. That fucking little ass <laughs> blew it place, up. man. Yeah, they that's they blew it up. Damn. What were what was some of the early like places where you could see like rock bands at like how bottom of the hill is today? Was there other shit that like you would go see? Didn't Led Zeppelin play it like Kilowatt or, or somewhere like <laughs> Zeppelin at Kilowatt? Jake would tell me some weird uh, shit like some small place. Th- there like, was a band called Ted Zeppelin. They were a chippy <laughs> band that played Ted Nugent and Zeppelin, and they were pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> they opened for MCM and the Monster. Yeah, I believe they did. Yeah. What do you think the keys to us getting this um, China Banks documentary finalized is going to be? I don't know. I was kind of waiting to hear from you about this. It's been... Uh, it's been a long time. Tony Vitello just uh, reached in my office and said, hey, you're still doing that, right? You know, I actually, uh, this is the first I heard that is even uh, dubbed as a documentary. I just thought it was a little something, something. Well, I like to call it a documentary because we're uh, documenting the spot and the oh, time. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. All right. So what we need to do, though, is kind of just go through the years and kind 
to like have glimpses of like the highlights and and whatnot but uh well shit i'd like to uh, be part of the well you are viewing and of whatnot i mean i don't know w what do you think i mean as you know the guy that i kind of look to for guidance isn't with us anymore yeah and yeah, so yeah i don't like that yeah i mean he's the one who told me like yeah keep working with schmitty on that yeah so maybe i might have to help you take no, over we, on it we we need to come together because it's just a sensitive thing where this is representing our city and we want to do it right so i just sure, want to make sure. sure i mean there's so much gnarlitude that went down there right. that i'm not even aware of and that is a fucking gnarly spot man i found a clip of jeff whitehead that was really old i think do you have a favorite sodi party uh you've been to probably 90 percent, if not all of them i've been to a lot i like to Tony's. Tony's was sick. Yeah, because Nikki Six was there. Right. I'd have to say that was one of my tops. That and the first one I went to actually was in 1987. It was at the Hotel Utah. And it was, well, oh wait, I have to take this back. It wasn't a Sodi party. It was a Thrasher Christmas party. So, no skate of the year that year. I was just thinking about the, the free bar tab, all you can <laughs> drink. That's just, you know, I wasn't even 21 at the time, so that's just what i was thinking were you at the one where pierre kissed tony hawk that no was the first one, i right? called kevin thatcher like hey bro bra brethren you think i'd go to the party like, no <laughs> so there was that didn't go to that old place on bryant street the best food mayonnaise factory damn so i got denied on that but the next year i made sure i was going to be at pretty much every single one since hell yeah oh sorry i have to get back cardiel's was sick oh, for as sure. well at the what the fuck is the swiss chalet or was on a market street anyway what are some key eateries like favorite sandwich spot sandwich spot favorite burrito these like where where's some good food spots for sf uh nowadays i don't know but back in the day i you know of course we always loved tommy's joint oh yeah we'd go to the u.s cafe well i mean Back in the day, it was always Lacumbre, five dollar or four fifty super burrito. That was a spot, man. Lacumbre. Yeah, yeah. It's on Valencia between sixteenth and seventeenth. But yeah, even just like a regular burrito at the time was like two fifty. So you go sell a set of wheels, get a burrito, twelve pack of mice brow, <laughs> fucking beyond, dude. Yes. Trixie wants to know, when you were on Skate Rock Australia, what color sweater were you wearing the entire trip, and who dosed your beer with acid? Uh, I don't recall wearing a sweater, <laughs> and I don't do those kinds of drugs, <laughs> because uh, it had been a while since I'd been on a road trip, and I believe I was the only person on that whole trip that didn't do drugs. Yeah, yeah. All right. Because I was just trying to say no at the time. How would you uh, describe to somebody that doesn't know anything about skate rock, like, what those trips are like? Too bad for you. <laughs> You'll never know. There you go. If you're going to listen to a future podcast that I do, who would you want me to have on as a guest? Oh, shit. Uh, Coco Santiago. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> This might be a little difficult, but I was wondering if you would talk a little bit about um, hosting Jake's Memorial. 
I know that must have been pretty hard and stuff, but I thought you did a really great job and just like what that meant to you and talking to other people after and just memories of Jake, basically. It was uh, when I got a phone call from Tony Vitello asking if I wanted to speak, I said yes, and I was nervous as shit because I didn't know I was going to write because I can't write. And then I get another phone call a few days later saying, hey, do you think you can host this? And I couldn't say no to it. So I said, yes, I can do this. Then we hung up and I said, well, there goes my nervousness. I have no time to be nervous. Mm. Fucking handle this shit and be there for everyone who's going to speak. If you if you have something written, you don't want to do it, I'll do it for you. Sick. And it was just, I mean, I don't know if people understood some of my humor, the shit I was saying, but this is some banter that Jay and I, Jake and I have uh, done, you know, as long as we've known each other. And yeah. So I know he'd understand the shit that I was saying, so I couldn't believe it. But, yeah, the lead up was scary, but again, I was like, I don't have time to be nervous, just do the best you can do and i i think i i did it no i think you nailed it it was great to see like the whole thing kind of fall apart and then you'd pick it up and and get it going again and then it would go fucking up and and you would bring it back down like it was like you were an orchestrator just want to welcome everyone you know ladies and gentlemen boys and girls of all ages welcome to pay tribute and honor a great man of James Kendall Phelps. Right there, this fucking guy right here. You better fucking recognize this man right here. Yeah, I was trying to be you whatever. You Noah fucking climbing around. You got Camden drunk <laughs> off his ass. Yeah, I don't know. Something. I wish it went on longer. I mean. That was a fucking awesome testimonial. Sit down and shut up. There's no A meeting. This ain't no A meeting. It was a good day. John it, pissed himself. Yeah, yeah. Fucking... But uh, I don't know. I really don't know how I held it together. I mean, I do have to say that I did go in my little corner and shed it a tear for a souvenir but then had to reel it back in and like, all right, and then next. We, we've all done that. But it's definitely something I didn't want to do, you know. I mean, it just sucks that everyone is just kicking off or things are happening. Yeah. You know, three years in a row of some key players in the skate world, you know, just it just sucks shit. But, again, I, I myself, I guess – in hindsight, I'm kind of overwhelmed and stoked that I was asked to do that, and I don't even know how I pulled it. I think sometimes we surprise ourselves in those type of Yeah, I mean, because I feel like I'm all a mush mouth right now, but <sighs> then I just had, to, just had to do it. Had to do I mean, it. I'm not a public speaker by any means, but just did it. I just hopefully i made people feel comfortable i wanted to be funny mm. and just fucking just 
handle it. Just do it. Yeah. You got some knowledge about like movies and TV shows in San Francisco. What's some, uh, like when we went to China Banks, you're like, this one thing where the guy's up there and he's shooting over there, like streets of San Francisco. You got like some moments where it's like, dude, you got to watch this one part of this. Fucking the guy, Clint Eastwood's over fucking but where McDonald's is now or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I know some movies that were shot here. Uh, a little history. Uh, what are you looking for? I don't know, just like a good one. Oh, well. Something like mandatory, like you got to watch this. Well, yeah, when we were there, because you look how uh, this... The character Scorpio from Dirty Harry is on top of the Bank of America building, Black Rock, right. 555 California. And he's got his scope pointed at the rooftop pool of the Holiday Inn there at Chinatown Banks. And he he snipes that lady out. She's floating in the pool. So that's how yeah. that movie begins. And then there's also how this old Muni bus crashed into that <laughs> upper deck there right next to Chinatown Banks. That was a movie from 1974 called Laughing Policeman with Walter Matthau and Bruce Dern. I found that one. Oh, yeah. That one's sick. The, the thing goes right into the Portsmouth. Yeah, uh, right in there. One of those old green torpedo buses. Oh, fuck. Um, did you ever do a handrail? I did two handrails. No way. I did one at Giannini and at uh, Davies uh, Symphony Hall right on Van Ness on a Schmidt longboard. Oh, sick. Yeah. Schmidt Longboard. But, uh, the yeah. yardstick. Yeah, yeah, the yardstick. And okay. handrails were not my forte. What about hill bombs? Yeah. All of them. All of them. Yeah. All right. What do we think about the uh, new kids out here? Uh, I don't really think about them. You don't think of them? No, I mean, it's great that these guys are just barging. Mm. I mean, seems like there was a lull of people bombing hills like that. But now, man, people are just going for it. It is so fucking sick. On some of the roughest, gnarliest streets, because back then it's like, oh, well, we kind of need like smooth streets, get kind of snobby. But now nobody fucking cares. Like, do it. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Tony says, if you and Jake just robbed a bank and you were in a car chase with the police, what is your playlist? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I you know, I'm a simpleton. I'd put on Motorhead Killed by Death. Uh fucking NWA fuck the police. I wouldn't put on the police. I don't like Sting. <laughs> yeah, I just have to keep going with Motorhead. It's King Diamond. I love King Diamond, but I don't think he has any songs that pertain to running from the police. But yeah, we'll put that on too. Just throw that in there. Sure. Fuck, dude. Thank you so much for kicking it with me. How are we going to get Coco on the show? I really doubt that that's ever going to happen. Mm. He's kind of out there. Right. Okay. 
Well, uh, let's end it with a fucking some type of jam. Let's put the needle on the record and cruise out of here to one of your songs you want to listen to. Uh, Motorhead, one track, mine. Boom. Thank you guys for listening. Much appreciation to Arco. Kicking it in his car behind the skate park. Talking about real San Francisco shit. Talk to you next week. Say it.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, TalkinSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, t-shirts, or hats. The website has an entire archive of all the episodes with extra photos and video. You can also email me with any concerns, questions, suggestions, comments, etc. at TalkinSchmidt.com at gmail.com. That's Schmidt T-A-L-K-I-N-S-C-H-M-I-T at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature, and a special shout-out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs>